Welcome to the Barrel Room Chronicles. I'm Carrie Moynihan, a certified bourbon steward, former bartender, and all-around whiskey aficionado. I travel the world to explore whiskey from every avenue. For the last 20 years, I've been helping others tell their stories through television, film, and other media. But now, I'm taking my love for whiskey and my experience in the entertainment industry to uncover the fascinating stories of the water of life. So kick off your shoes, pour yourself a dram, and join me for this episode of Barrel Room Chronicles. If you haven't heard about Anchor by Spotify, it's the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need all in one place. Let me explain. It's free. Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. When hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast on listening platforms like Spotify, Apple, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. It is 5 o'clock somewhere and you've tuned into episode 11 of BRC. For those of you who'd like to watch this episode, it's available on our website, YouTube, and Spotify. Today in our Tales from the Still segment, I speak with Kirsty Black and Lauren Oliver of Arbiki Highland Estate Distillery about the Scottish Highlands' first commercial rye whiskey. Then later in the show, Chef Louise Leonard joins me to talk about a patty melt in today's world of wheezy. Stay with us. wine has long been a cornerstone of wealth generation and preservation. The problem? Historically, it's been reserved for the ultra-wealthy. VinoVest is changing that. Wine has one-third the volatility of the stock market and has outperformed the global equities market over the past 30 years, with 10.6% annualized returns, proving that the returns can be just as robust as your favorite red. It is so easy to get started in diversifying your investment portfolio. VinoVest makes it easy to acquire new investments. Equipped with a team of world-class sommeliers who evaluate wine and determine which ones will gain value over time. You own the wines in your portfolio outright. You can buy, sell, and even drink them whenever you want. Go to httpzen.ai slash Barrel Room Chronicles to receive two months of fee-free investing. Be sure to mention that Barrel Room Chronicles is helping you save on two months of management fees. It's time to start investing with VinoVest today. Well, hello, ladies. It is so nice to have you here. We have a semi-returning guest, Lauren Oliver, who is with us on Spirits of Whiskey. And we have um, Kirsty Black, who is here. Both of them are now with the Arbiki Highland Estate Distilleries. That's such a fancy name. I love it. And before when we had uh, Lauren here, she was the mash lass. Uh, and now she's got a different position at a different distillery. So we'll get into that shortly. Um, but Kirsty, you, um, do you actually make this lovely juice? Is that what I'm understanding? Uh, yeah, I oversee production at Arbiki. Um, there's a group of four of us and we make all the different products there, yeah. That's awesome. Well, as we usually start out, I ask about your whiskey journey, but since you guys have more than just whiskey, I'll just ask about your spirited journey. And since um, if we have any loyal listeners, most of them know at least the first half of Lauren's, we'll, we'll start with you, Kirsty, and then we'll go to Lauren after. So, um, sorry, Biki, it started um, in 2014. So uh, I joined the company then, and at that point it was like an abandoned shed on a farm. So that's really what makes us different at Arbiki. We're a farm to bottle distillery. So everything that we process in the distillery, we grow on the farm. 
Wow. That, like, yeah, it began with potatoes. So we're primarily a potato farm and we've got lots of, I don't know if, if you call them that with you, uh, wonky veg. So that not the perfect shaped <laughs> potato that supermarkets will accept. So uh, they, they were kind of going to waste to some point. So we wanted to make more out of them. You know, they take the same amount of effort and inputs to grow. So we wanted to, yeah, make them and sound special. So we started out with potato vodka right nice. back in 2014. Yeah. Okay. And how big is so the right, property there? That was interesting. <laughs> uh, the farm is, oh, I'm terrible at that sort of thing, uh, 3,000 acres. Is that right? Okay. That's pretty big. Yeah. Okay. Two, two to yeah. 3,000, something like that. Yeah. Big, yeah. big estate. Now, when you were a wee little yeah. lass, did you ever think that you'd be, you know, making alcohol as an adult? Uh, no, yeah, I had a quite a convoluted trip getting here. Uh, I so I did grow up on a farm. Um, it was a fruit farm that we grew raspberries and strawberries. But uh, oh, nice. I worked in medical devices as an engineer for nearly ten years before I decided wow. to get into alcohol. Yeah. So it, so basically, that job drove you to drink, and this is how you <laughs> get over that. I go that far, but, uh, <laughs> yeah. But it's a cute story. It drove you to drink. Now you make it yourself. Anyway, yeah. Um, so, what lured you into the spirit world? Yeah, it's. Uh, I guess I'd been home brewing for a while whilst working, and then just um, I fancied a change, so I ended up going to Harrier Watt University in Edinburgh and studying brewing oh, nice. and distilling there. And I kind of went there thinking I was going to be a brewer. You know, I like beer. I like making it. All that processes. And then we just started distilling and I was like, hold on a minute. This is like a whole new world of magic that you put all this stuff in and get a clear liquid out, but full of flavor. So yeah, it was a bit of a revelation. Awesome. Do you still homebrew at this point or you're like, no, I'm over it. I just, I do that at work. A little bit, but not much. Yeah. Now that you do it for a living, it's uh, or similar steps for a living. Yeah. Not as much now, but sometimes, yeah. Okay, and I then, think when Kirsty um, has her own pot still, she doesn't need to brew it in the bath anymore when she's right. got her own distillery at the same. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, so let's uh, focus here on Lauren for a second. So Lauren, last we spoke, you were the mash lass over at Glengoyne, and now you've uh, gone a little bit north to the Highlands and um, are no longer mashing. So what's your new role and what's the reason for the change? So I'll always be the mash lass at heart, <laughs> um, but I just <laughs> felt it was the time to to take all the knowledge that I've gained so far and apply it to something else. So from people that have maybe listened before, I, I started uh, as a guide and I worked my way up through all the distillation processes by studying warehousing, mashing, distillation, and I just wanted to then share all that knowledge that I have with other people and I've followed Arbiki since the beginning. I love the story and don't tell Kirsty this but I think she's a bit of a rock star in the distilling world. So um, Arbiki are opening a new visitor experience centre in April this year and I just thought it would be the perfect combination bringing the experience I have from working in the traditional malt whiskey industry and bringing it to this new fresh modern distillery that's opening their experience centre. So I'm now running the, the new visitor experience centre at Arbiki, opening in April this year. 
So I hope everyone from America comes over and visits me and uh, enjoys their tours as we take them around and we see Kirsty at work. So a bit of a change (laughs) from when I last spoke to you, but an exciting change, I feel. Yeah. And probably um, a little lighter on the uh, on the arms. Yes, yes. I have um, I have I have put on a little bit around the middle because I'm not used to um, I'm not carrying my yeast bags anymore. Not carrying that sixty kilos of yeast up the stairs every day now, and I can tell the difference. I'll have to cut back on the chocolates. (laughs) Oh no! (laughs) So, who wants to tell me the story of Arbiki? Because it sounds like it's got a pretty fascinating story. Like what what drew both of you to Arbiki, and why is it so special? Um, well, I can. I think my story is maybe a little bit different to your story because I came in slightly later. Um, but I've been drawn to Arbiki since she first started distilling as a company. I just thought that the field to bottle element of what this company was trying to do, I just found it fascinating. I, I love the modern take. Um, I, I like the the fact that. We made, our Beaky made their own base spirit to produce different products and I just liked their whole ethos and I liked how they were really sustainable and just looking at distilling in a whole new modern way. So I followed the journey from when they started as a, a customer and a fan um, and that's what drew me to our Beaky. and then when this opportunity came I just couldn't. I couldn't pass on it, um, so that's why I did the move up to the Highlands just to be part of the of the Arbiki story. And I was going to say you must have had to move because yeah, it would have been a bit of a long three-hour commute. Quick, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. So three three hours up the road, um, and I just I felt like I lo- I followed the Arbiki journey for so long that I just wanted to be part of the next step of their journey. Um, with the opening of the new experience center. So that's my side of what drew me to our Beaky. Very cool. And okay, so Kirsty, so tell me a little bit more about um, our Beaky and its beginnings and and who brought you into the world of our Beaky. Yeah, so it's the Sterling family that own our Beaky. Um, and I met them when I was studying at Harriet Watt University. Uh, Ian, one of the brothers, so there's uh, five brothers and a sister in the family, but um, Ian approached the university and asked for a student to study developing Scottish gin recipes, so really representing Scotland in a glass. So um, that is what I did my master's dissertation on. And then after that, they offered me a job, which is a bit, uh, was very lucky on my part. Um, yeah. So yeah, as I said before, when I started, it was just an empty shed. Um, so. I really, I think, um, I just like figuring things out. So uh, the first thing we had to do is figure out how to build the distillery. So that like took the first nine months. And then it's from there, it's been just continuous us trying to figure out how to do things. Um, potato vodka was the first challenge. Not many people process potatoes uh, in the world. Right. Never mind Scotland, nobody did it. Yeah. So, you know, it's a whole different set of equipment than handling cereals and grains. So. Uh, we weren't taught how to make that at university, um, so there was a lot to learn. <laughs> so how many different um, bits of agriculture do you guys grow there? Yeah, so the farm, um, so they grow potatoes, uh, barley, wheat, and now because of the distillery, so initially we could only process what the farm grew, but now with time we've now 
fed back to the farm and requested that they grow things for us. So we've added nice. rye to the mix and peas. Oh, we process peas. them in the distillery too. Yeah. Oh, what do you use the peas for? We make uh, a base spirit and we make a vodka and gin out of that. Out of peas? Oh, I didn't know peas were used for that. That's pretty interesting. Yeah. Cool. Well, uh, they're not. On this that is note... the first time it's been. Oh, okay. Oh, sorry. So I'm not as, as not as out of the loop as I thought. Okay, <laughs> that's good. No. <laughs> so you guys sent me two lovely spirits. We have a gin and the rye, which I've already started drinking. <laughs> um, so I, I think we should taste those and then talk about uh, talk about each of those. And then, so you have vodkas and you have a gin and you have this. What what else do you have, or is that what you're doing right now? Just the three. That's yeah. yeah we've got four. We've got three vodkas, eh? three gins, two flavored vodkas, and the rye whiskey. Yeah. Yep. Oh my goodness, that's a lot for such a young distillery. I know. And we have some um, malt <laughs> that's maturing nicely in the warehouses as well. Yeah. Wow. Lots of single malt and cask. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. So, what flavors are your vodkas? The flavored ones. Um, we've got a chili vodka and a strawberry vodka. Ooh, that's pretty diverse. I love that. Okay. Well, I have the so, yeah, rye. All using again. In my glass. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Oh, no, I was just going to say I have the rye in my glass. So if you want to tell me about that. Oh, that's got a very nice um, cereal note to it. Do you want it. me to go or you, Lauren? Um, on you go for this this part while I um, pour, okay. my, pour my glass. Sure. So, um, yes, yeah, we say we've been making single malt from the beginning, but we also started rye uh, as initially like a little test project to see if we could do it. Um, and then when we figured out we could, we've kept it going. So this whiskey is made out of um, rye, wheat and malted barley. It was 60% rye and it's all grown on the farm here. Like rye used to be processed like over 100 years ago in Scotland, but it was just stopped. Um, so we kind of brought that back and um, we wanted to bring it into our farm to increase farm biodiversity too. So um, it's sort of a mutually beneficial product to be making. Awesome. And yes. out of all of these spirits that you make there, what's your favorite to make and what's your favorite to drink? Oh, that's a hard one. Um, I, <laughs> so I can say my least favorite to make is potatoes because they're really cold and messy. <laughs> Beyond that, I like, like each one's got their own quirks. Uh, and I'm, I was originally a plant scientist, so I really like the mashing side of things and understanding what goes on in a plant and all the temperatures to hit. So I like the differences and how you have to adapt that process to get the most out of them. Um, to drink, depends on the occasion, definitely. Um, summer, sunny days, it's obviously gin, but then, yeah, whiskey's probably my favourite drink overall. So. Yes, good, good answer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And what about you, Lauren? What's your <clears throat> what's your favorite to drink from from this portfolio? Um, so again, it's, it depends on the weather, um, but I love the the Nunadar one. Um, so the we'll move on to that in a little moment, I suppose the tastings of it. But it's so light and fresh. So you know, if you're just sitting with a summer barbecue, that's a go to. But like right now, after work on a Friday evening, which is for us here in Scotland, it's definitely the it's definitely the whiskey. And nice. I love I love the, the rye because 
if I remember correctly, Kerry, I know you're a big fan of rye whiskeys, aren't I you? I am. I am. Yeah, yeah. I'm um, a single malt and then I'm a rye. So yeah. there we go. Um, and I just love how, how smooth the rye is. Um, when you drink it, I, I find it so enjoyable when you're just sat down on the couch at the end of a, of a, a long week um, to just sit and savour and sip. And to know that I'm drinking the first ever Scottish rye in over a hundred years just makes it that I know, much that's... sweeter. Yeah. <clears throat> when you told me that you had a rye, I was like, what? I we know. gotta talk to these people. <laughs> yeah. All right, let's so we just gym. had a, a new release out uh, launched the 2021 rye as well, and it's available in the US. So oh, it is. Um, yeah, it is. Yep. So that's another limited edition one that's awesome. Yeah. I'll have people look out for that. Yeah, you will. Oh, this gin has got a very light. Oh, you've moved on. I still my whiskey. <laughs> Oh, well, you know. And <laughs> <laughs> um, this is the gin that's made out of the peas as the base spirit. Wow. So at our beaky, we like to do world firsts. So the rye is obviously yeah. <laughs> Scottish's first rye in a hundred years. That's a world first. And the nadar, which I'll let Kirsty wow. explain in a wee bit more detail yeah, in a second, is another really different world first. Um, there's no other product like this anywhere in the world, not just the UK in the world. Um, so no, it's delicious. It's quite special. Yeah. Do tell, do tell. How did you think of peas? Yeah, so um, it's a whole lot of research I do. Peas are really good to grow for the environment because uh, they don't need nitrogen fertilizer. So before we oh, grow nice. all these other cereals, they've got a big carbon footprint associated with them. So uh, peas don't require fertilizer, so they avoid all those emissions. Um, and then this product yeah, is made out of peas and we've flavoured it with uh, botanicals growing on site. So we've already got two gins out already. One's like a more traditional one. We've got a spicy one. So we really wanted to make this one a little different. So we've gone for uh, citrus and herbal. So the two main botanicals yeah. are lemongrass and macroot lime leaves um, to sort okay. of complement that base spirit of peas. Yeah. I do taste the lemongrass for sure. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's lovely. Well, I'm very excited I think it's about the this. lemongrass that makes it so nice on a summer's day. You know, that, that citrus element that comes through on it. It's one of my favorites. I love that. I love that. So what do you see for the near future for the distillery? Well, the experience center this year is a massive, uh, a massive yeah. task for the distillery this year. That's our, our biggest venture of the year so far. We seem to like to do a big project every year by the seams of it. We had a... Um, our, our um, climate positive gin last year, we've got new rye, um, and then this year we've got the visitor um, experience centre opening. So it'll be really nice to invite people in from all over the world and start to share their beaky journey. So the distillery is based on the family farm. So people are actually going to come to our farm on the Highland Estate and they can see, you can look out at the field while you're drinking your dram and then come back and visit us in 10 years time and go, wow, I saw that crop in the ground and now I can see it being distilled. And now I'm drinking it from the bottle in my hand. It's a true field to bottle experience. And I can't wait to start sharing that with people at the, at the center this year. It's going That's to be so quite awesome. magical. There's no other distillery that can take a product and tell you exactly which bit of land that the crop in that bottle came from. It's so unique. Um, and I, I think people are going to really, really like to come and experience that. I think so too. 
I think so. So how, where, I know you're in the Highlands. <clears throat> how close to other distilleries are you? There's not that many. It's not, not such an intense area. There's a couple nearby. It's a couple of single malt distilleries and a couple of gin, but it's not as crowded here. Yeah. Well, that's good. Yeah. And we're right that's on good. the beach as well. So we have a, a lovely um, coastal coastal atmosphere yeah. that's maturing our, our malt casks as we speak which is lovely we're, we're right yeah. right on the beach there's only just our field and the and the road between our distillery and the, and the beach and the coastline wow yeah that's cool <laughs> is do you see there any possibility that you may go back to mashing at all at this this joint Never, never say never, never say never. Um, you know, if Kirsty wants to take a holiday, I might just step in and put my mash last hat back on and um, and, and get in amongst yeah. the peas. I've never mashed peas before, so that would be a new experience for me um, to, to, yeah, to mash, some, mash some peas or potatoes. Yeah, um, but yeah. I'm, I'm really enjoying my, um, my new venture at the moment and just growing my knowledge I, I think it was definitely the correct step to to take but I will never forget my mash lash roots um because at the end of the day they got me to where I am so of course and and now yeah. you get to play with all these other beautiful expressions of and yeah. different spirits which is you know yeah. growth is great so yeah. and congratulations if I'm on the move Thank you. If I'm taking all these tours every day, then in my opinion, I get to drink more on the job than if I was mashing it, right? Right. <laughs> exactly. Uh -oh. Exactly. <laughs> all these tasting sessions that we'll be doing. <laughs> love it. I love yeah. it. Well, ladies, thank you so much for joining me today to tell me all about the spirits that you have and this beautiful distillery. I can't wait to see the uh, tour experience, uh, visitors experience. The best of luck to the growth of the company. Oh, thank you, Kerry. We can't wait yeah. to welcome you through our doors. World of Wheezy is up next. Stay with us. If you like what you've seen on BRC, you'll love what's coming soon in the Barrel Room Parlor. As a member, you'll have exclusive access to various spin-off series, including the Cutting Room Floor and the Telly Award-winning series Kindred Spirits. To create your membership, Visit www.barrelroomchronicles.com and click on Become a Member. Once you have chosen your membership level, you'll be able to enjoy all the extra content it has to offer. You'll even be able to participate with the show by commenting on videos and other posts. Don't wait. Sign up today for exclusive content in the Barrel Room Parlor. Hey, Louise. Nice to have you this week. How are you doing? I'm good. Thanks for having me back, Carrie. Okay. My, my best girl, the mash lass over from Glen Goyne. Uh, I contacted her. I said, Hey, we got to get the mash lass on the show. And she tells me, Oh, well, I've moved to, to the North Highlands and now I'm, I'm with this other distillery and Carrie, I know you love rye and I know Louise loves rye. So let me tell you, we have the only so far, uh, Highlands rye. And I thought, Oh my God, we have to try that. So she sent over some rye, some gin, and we had a great talk with her and Kirsty earlier today about the whole distillery and how it's, you know, farm fresh and all that great stuff. So I sent them over. What'd you think of those samples? Oh my gosh. Love, 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 love. Can I say love again? Oh love. my gosh. Yes. Loved it. And I love the story. I mean, the mash lasts, okay? That's, first of all, the best name ever. But second of all, the fact that this is the first rye of that area is completely amazing. 
And I was thinking about it when I was really like trying to wrap my head around what, you know, what to pair this with, which there's just so many. But one thing that I was thinking would be super fun to do is to make a version of a patty melt, which is, I realize, very American of me <laughs> to do. However, I was thinking, I love a patty melt at a diner. I was recently at this really great diner in, a, in Idlewild, California, which is a funky mountain town about a couple hours outside of LA. And I was looking at the menu and I saw a patty melt and I was like, oh man, you know, I just don't eat those very often. But what I was thinking about with this whiskey is doing a patty melt. They're always served on rye bread. At least okay. they should be. Right. But instead of doing a beef patty, doing a salmon patty, making mm -hmm. like a really delicious savory salmon burger, but serving it on rye bread with sauerkraut, like a homemade sauerkraut. Okay. And, um, you know, it's generally Swiss cheese, but you could omit the cheese if you're one of those, you know, definitely Italians never put the cheese with the fish. You know, I'm from Wisconsin. I, I don't have any problem with putting a slice <laughs> of cheese on a salmon burger. I would probably do maybe something like a sharp provolone would be really good with the sauerkraut, salmon burger, maybe a caper aioli. And I think that all those flavors combined with this whiskey, amazing, amazing, amazing. And I probably put a splash of that whiskey in the salmon patty as well, just because. Well, that sounds good. I mean, why not? I mean, yeah. Cool. All right. Well, I'm going to go ahead and let uh, Lauren and Christy know what you think of their delicious rye and what to what you think to pair with it and how to cook it up. I think it sounds great. Can't wait to try it myself as usual. I mean, I'm going to have to start writing a book down of all the stuff you tell me about and just weekly just start making them at home. Absolutely. But you'll, you'll probably have to come over and show me how to do a lot of it, but that's okay. <laughs> Well, I mean, it's, you know, a cookbook should probably happen with all of these amazing pairings that we're coming up with. For and, sure. you know, tell those lassies that we need to pay them a visit and I'll, I'll make all of this for them. Sounds good to me. All right, Louise, until next time. We'll see you later. All right. See you later. Highland Distillery. Visitor Experience Center now open. For show notes on today's episode, please visit www.barrelroomchronicles.com. If you like what you heard, please rate and subscribe to the podcast. If you really liked it and want to show your support, buy us a whiskey through our Kofi site. If you work in the whiskey industry or run a whiskey bar or club and you'd like to be featured on Barrel Room Chronicles, register to be a guest through our website. Thanks for joining me, and until next time, Salonjava! 
Barrel Room Chronicles is a production of First Real Entertainment and is distributed by Anchor FM and is available on Spotify, Apple, Google, iHeartRadio, Amazon, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts.